Hello there, everyone, and welcome to your favorite, I'm going to be bold and say your favorite podcast about Avatar The Last Airbender. Maybe even top five, maybe even top 10. I hope there are at least 10, <laughs> 10 different podcasts of this. Uh, that's right. Welcome to Avatar The Podcast. I am your co-host, Booster Greg, and joined, as always, is the wonderful Acorn Bandit. The other co-host, Acorn Bandit. Hello. The other co-host. Hello. So this week, we're going to be talking about book three, episode 14, The Boiling Rock, part one, or as we like to call it, Prison Break. Yes, that's right. We are jumping back into the Avatar, The Last Airbender animated series, taking that brief little break with Suki alone. We all hope you enjoyed that episode and we hope you learned something that you maybe didn't know existed before or maybe it existed and you, you didn't realize that there was a couple little little writing problems for lack of a better term in there uh, writing speed bumps little yeah. speed bumps little yeah yeah little little let's call them deviations from the truth that's all there you that's go all. There you go. I had fun regardless talking about the comic and we hope you did too. Yes. And I can't wait to cover more of the comics. Yes. Yes. I know. Now that we've we've cracked open the first comic book, I am now anticipating the search and the promise and all of the others that are going to come after book three. Yes, absolutely. And before we dive into the episode, we tell you who wrote it and directed it, all that, all that good stuff. We do have three more five-star reviews to read. Yay. Yes. Our first one comes from Mr. Nerdman who wrote Angmazing. Hey guys, love your show. I started watching Avatar in 2020 during COVID and loved it. And I found your show just when you started book three. I have binged every episode since and can't wait for every Friday. By the way, Acorn, you need to watch My Hero Academia. You do. You do. <laughs> I, I started. I did start. You did? Um, you I watched didn't tell a couple episodes. I know. I, I watched a couple episodes of season one. <sighs> Still need to, to finish it up, but it is enjoyable and I see why it's so popular. I love All Might. I love Skinny All Might specifically. He's yeah, my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's so bitter and everything. And he's the voice of Vegeta. So, so Oh good. my gosh. Perfect. Yes. So there you go. I didn't even know that you learn something new every day. I'm so happy Acorn started my Hero Academia. <laughs> also, Mr. Dernman, thank you so much for titling this Angmazing. We're going to make this stick. We're going to make it a thing. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. There's one thing that Avatar the podcast is going to be known for besides in-depth research and well-produced and well-edited content. It's going to be the term Angmazing. I thought you were going to say the puns. Well, I mean, yeah, the puns, sure. But Angmazing. There we go. Uh, thank you so much, Mr. Nerdman. We super appreciate you leaving the five-star review. Thank you. The next review comes from Niner Joe 9 And Niner Joe 9 writes, The better Avatar pod. I have seen Avatar The Last Airbender a few times and have been wanting to watch it again, but I'm too busy with kids. Oh, Niner Joe 9 preaching to the choir at this point. <laughs> <laughs> He continues and says, listening to these recaps is just as enjoyable as watching the show. You can really feel their genuine feelings slash fandom come through. Started listening a month or two ago and am bummed I am all the way caught up and have to wait for one episode a week. Not the first time we've heard that. And we Not feel the for first you. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For everyone listening, can you imagine if we were a bi-weekly podcast? <laughs> Let that sink in. Imagine if we released two episodes a month. Imagine. Imagine if when we began this, my advice of maybe going bi-weekly was taken, but it wasn't. And we work tirelessly for you, Diner Joe 9. Specifically, <laughs> specifically for specifically, you. Specifically. And everyone else, I guess, too. To make sure that <laughs> as much as we can that you get Avatar content every week. And remember, if we miss a week and you're not subscribed to the YouTube, youtube.com slash Avatar, the podcast, there's content there for you. So technically we didn't miss a week. Got him. Got him. There we go. You're welcome. <laughs> we have, I think, what, four or five episodes of Avatar up now? We have four. Four. Yes. Plus a couple Ang mails too. The old form for Avatar. So go over there. Give it a listen. Give it a like. Give it a share. Give it a comment and subscribe. That's what they say. I think, yep. I'm pretty sure that's what they say. Anyways, the yeah, next that, one. that YouTube lingo. The old YouTube lingo. <laughs> we have one more review to cover today, and it is from Maria. And Maria writes, All right, Greg, 
You did it. Not going to lie. When I read this one, my heart skipped a beat. I was like, oh no, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> Maria's talking to me. What did I do? Whatever review singles me out is generally not favorable towards me. <laughs> Let's see what Maria writes. Yes. Maria says, you convinced me to download Apple Podcast to leave a five-star review. Your dead jet joke from the day of Black Sun Part <laughs> 2 sent me to the moon. <laughs> oh no. I <laughs> uh, love it. I was laughing in my car for a solid few minutes. The dark humor is greatly appreciated. The first episode I listened to was The Blue Spirit when it came out. Around the start of lockdown, I worked to keep my sanity by going on hikes and listening to podcasts. Friday afternoons were my favorite days as I got to tune in with you guys. Thank you for creating such high quality Avatar content. Your dynamic together is a balance Uncle Iroh would be proud of. Keep rocking and remember you guys are truly the best Avatar podcast out there. Aw, thank you, Maria. Thanks. All my love to you both. MROM3, when I tune into Twitch, or Maria. Smiley face. Maria! Okay, actually, that dead jet joke moment had me, (laughs) sent me to the moon, too. It was so good. There are a few times where I know I've genuinely cracked up Acorn. And that was one of those times I said it. And then I looked over at the screen and you're just dying laughing. And I was like, nailed it. First try. Got her. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Yep. Maria. Oh, man. Thank you so much for writing a positive review singling me out. I appreciate it. Also, I haven't seen you show up on the Twitch chat yet, but I'll be sure to keep a lookout next time, which everyone knows is Monday and Friday evenings at what class? That's right. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. (laughs) I hope everyone said it along with me at that point. That would be really great. And the last Friday of every month is going to be our new Avatar episode, which as a friendly reminder is going to be over on my channel now, twitch.tv slash booster greg. Just want to make sure we we get that. We did have such a great showing on the last episode. Yeah, it was a really fun one too. We yeah. talked about what would we like to see coming out of Avatar Studios. So if you have yes. not caught that, head over to YouTube, which we just mentioned, youtube.com slash Avatar the Podcast and watch it there. Yes, absolutely. Okay, enough of the five-star reviews. Everyone, thank you so much for taking the time to write all of that in. We super appreciate it. Uh, it really does make our days And I check it like several times a day. So as soon as they come in hot off the presses, I see them and I read them and I get so excited. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. If you want your five-star review read on the show, remember, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star written review, because if it ain't written, I can't read it. Acorn can't read it. No one can read it. That's how writing works. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm pretty Greg, sure. Very astute. <laughs> yeah. It's it's these nuggets of wisdom that I pride myself on personally. Yes. Yes. Learn the ways of the world and how the world works from Booster Greg, everyone. Hey. Also, special thank you to Maria who downloaded Apple Podcasts in order to leave us a five-star review. Thank you thank so you, much. Thank you so much. So let's get into it. Book three, episode 14. Like I said, The Boiling Rock Part 1, which was directed by our old friend Joaquim Dos Santos. And it was written by, this is a new name, May Chan. Now, what's interesting is this is May's one and only head, or not head writing. This is May's one and only like official writer credit that would be on like a title card. But May has worked on several other episodes as a staff writer. Those episodes are actually some of my favorite ones. They include The Puppet Master, Nightmares and Daydreams, Day of Black Sun Part 2, Western Air Temple, and Firebending Masters. Uh, Check, 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 mm-hmm. check, and check. Mm-hmm. Yes, those are great episodes. I'm pretty sure she was a staff writer on some episodes after Firebending Masters, but I wanted to kind of keep that with what we've discussed so far. So, mm-hmm. well, we begin our episode at the Western Air Temple as Zuko serves freshly brewed tea to his new friends. I'm putting that in air quotes because I don't think they're quite friends yet, but they're getting there. They're getting there. While Zuko is unsure of his tea making abilities, hopefully they've gotten better since bitter work. I'm just going to say that because Iroh wasn't too happy with Zuko's tea, if we all remember. Zuko does attempt to tell one of Iroh's tea jokes, but he completely oversteeps his comedic abilities. Wow. (laughs) And only delivers the punchlines. I'm just going to say this. Maybe he should leaf the jokes to Uncle Iroh. (laughs) I mean, he should. He He should, should, to be fair. Yes. 
Katara lightly roasts Zuko and everyone laughs. I put roast in as a kind of a semi pun because you don't roast tea leaves. It's more coffee. Warm beverage. We're in the ballpark. We're in the warm beverage ballpark right now. Mm -hmm. Zuko smiles as he realizes that this just means that he's being accepted into the group. Toph notes that it's nice to relax a little as it rarely happens. Mm -hmm. I just have to say, this is the sweetest scene. I love Zuko so much. Yeah, Just the fact that his way of trying to fit in with a new group of friends is relying on the things that his uncle taught him, how to make tea, how to serve tea. (laughs) He's definitely pulling up the lessons that he learned from the Jasmine Dragon here, for sure. Sure, sure. And then also just being like, it's just so sweet. Here, let me make you tea like my uncle taught me. Here, let me tell you a joke that uncle told me. Like, oh, buddy. To see the love for his uncle appear almost like in an indirect way here is just so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. As Zuko serves his tea, Sokka asks to talk to Zuko alone. As soon as the two warriors are out of earshot from the group, Sokka asks Zuko where Fire Nation captives are typically taken. When Zuko asks why Sokka is asking about this, he tells the newest member of the group that he is looking for some of their troops who were taken during the invasion. Zuko refuses to tell him because he knows that this information will only make Sokka feel worse than he already does. Sokka reveals that he is concerned about his father and he needs to know what his actions have put his father through. Zuko finally reveals that Hakoda would most likely have been brought to a place called the Boiling Rock, which is the highest security prison in the Fire Nation. It's on an island and in the middle of a boiling lake. And to make matters worse, it's inescapable. Sokka asks where Boiling Rock is located for no particular reason at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no reason. No particular reason. Don't worry Just about curious. It. Anyway. Just, I have a trivia night coming up and I feel like it's going to be asked. <laughs> Zuko tells them that it's in the middle of a volcano between the Western Air Temple and the Fire Nation. And they actually flew past it on their way to the Western Air Temple. Sokka thanks Zuko as just knowing this information makes him feel a whole lot better. And he rejoins the group. Zuko is immediately suspicious. Yep, because Zuko's no chump. Zuko does, in fact, have a brain. He is kind of smart. He is. Just because he's he's a little hot-headed doesn't mean he's any less intelligent or able to pick up on subtle cues like, hey, this thing I've, you just told me about, where exactly is it? Point it out on the map, please. <laughs> yeah, not so subtle cues. <laughs> Maybe a little, a little obtuse, a little in-the-face yes. cue. The one thing I really like about this scene is it really highlights at a subtle level, the difference between Sokka and Zuko. So Sokka thinks he's being super slick right now and he's pulling Mm -hmm. the wool over Zuko's eyes. And Zuko is completely aware of why Sokka is asking and he's no chump. Even though in some episodes and more recently, he's kind of been portrayed as being socially awkward and maybe a little less intelligent than the rest of the group. He's not. He's just kind of like trying to, I think, be accepted into this group, which actually might be strategic on his part as well. Trying to disarm everyone with some humble pie, so to speak. Right. Yeah. It would be a smart move. Yeah. Yeah. So Zuko's being a little bit of a tactician, maybe with his social interactions lately, which kind of makes Sokka feel like he can maybe gain a one-up on the former prince. Mm-hmm. I just kind of like the interaction. It shows that Sokka was able to kind of, I guess, psychologically manipulate his friends a little bit to kind of like be a jokester or to get his way. And it's kind of worked a little bit. But Zuko's new to the group. He's just being nice, but he knows that something bad's going to happen. It's just a nice little writing touch. Yeah. Sokka being Sokka. Yeah. But to the newcomer Zuko, he can see right through it. Yes. Later that night, when everyone else has fallen asleep, Sokka sneaks away from the group so silently that not even Toph seems to notice. I thought that was really cool. Good point. Or she noticed and she didn't care. Maybe she thought he's like going out to like pee or something. I don't know. (laughs) Could be. I would imagine that Sokka wakes up in the middle of the night every night to like go to the bathroom. That's just my headcanon. Yeah. I think he would. He almost blows the whole sneaking away part when he nearly steps on Momo, but he catches himself and steps over the flying lemur. Sokka goes to climb on Appa, shushing the air bison back to sleep. But when Sokka climbs up his furry friend, he finds Zuko waiting for him. Not up to anything, huh? Zuko says, which startles Sokka so much that he falls off of Appa and causes a, lo- a loud <laughs> crash. And I'm amazed that no one woke up. 
I know, right? They must have explored really hard the day before, maybe like went out to look for food. Everyone's pretty tuckered out and sleeping deeply. Or Zuko accidentally brewed the nighttime sleepy mint tea. Oh, no. He put them into a deep sleep, some melatonin, huh? Maybe. That's what I'm thinking. It's the only way this makes sense. It's the only way that if you were to say, okay, Sokka was just super quiet, so Toph couldn't hear him. That loud crash would have woken her up for Mm -hmm. sure. Or Sokka consistently trips over something when he's using his nighttime bathroom. (laughs) He always trips over like the same fountain (laughs) or the same pillar every night when he goes to the bathroom. Every time. So they're like, all right, whatever, forget it. Sokka explains to Zuko that the invasion plan was his idea and it failed, causing his father and many others to be captured and jailed by the Fire Nation. I have to regain my honor, Sokka tells the firebending prince. You can't stop me, Zuko. Zuko understands the need to regain honor because, well, duh, we've had like three seasons of him trying to regain his honor. (laughs) My honor! My honor! And tells Sokka that he is going with him. Something very quickly I want to state about this scene. They had a little bit of a role reversal and I kind of glanced over it. I didn't really say what Zuko talks about. Zuko says something like, well, I never listen. And that's usually an attribute to Sokka. And of course... Mm -hmm. Honor is usually attributed to Zuko. They have like a nice little yin and yang relationship right now where they Mm -hmm. complement each other very well. Which is going to be supported and explored Mm -hmm. even more in this episode. Mm -hmm. Sokka states that this is something he is going to need to do on his own, but Zuko is not hearing it. He points out that taking Appa is not a good idea because there are no Sky Bison daycare centers near Boiling Rock. (laughs) They ran out of room. You know, they just didn't have the real estate for that. There was budget cuts and that was the first thing to go. What a shame. What a shame. Yeah. Who knew that a daycare center for thought extinct animals would be... Right at the top of the the old chopping block. Oh, no. Zuko recommends that they use his war balloon instead. The next morning, the gang finds a note written by Zuko stating that he and Sokka have gone fishing together and are leaving Aang with some homework to continue his firebending practice. The homework is to do 20 sets of fire fists and then 10 hot squats every time you hear a badger frog croak. As soon as Katara finishes reading the note, a badger frog croaks. And Ang size. Nobody else has homework. I absolutely love that he uses a badger frog as like the signal for when he needs to do these like act- yep. these exercises <laughs> because Zuko knows firsthand how much and how frequently badger frogs croak. Uh huh. And how much it yeah. sounds like a taunt. So it's really good. And I love how he he gets up in that moment and he's like, oh, one hot squat, two hot squats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gets right to it. I mean. <laughs> That's something to be said about Aang. He does take his training seriously. We we saw him messing around earlier on in the journey, but at this point, he knows it's important. So it's like, all right, yeah, I got to graduate from bending school in order to defeat the Fire Lord. So I guess yep. I got to do my exercises. Yeah. Also, it's such a small detail, but I love the fact that Zuko's and Sokka's cover is they went to find meat. Yeah. Because that's so in character with Sokka that I don't think anyone would question it. Yeah, he's always just finding food. He needs food all the time. He's always hungry. Yep. A couple little fun bits of trivia so far. This is actually the second episode in which Aang appears, but does not do any sort of bending. And the first one was the Puppet Master. Oh, yeah. This is also the first episode since Toph's feet were burned that we see her walking again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Talk about continuity. That's a pretty cool detail. Yeah. It's like one of those little things too, where I think they kind of just introduced me like, oh, she can walk again. And if you didn't notice that and you probably forgot she burned her feet in the first place. Mm -hmm. Flying in the war balloon, Sokka and Zuko sit in awkward silence. Sokka tries to break the ice first by commenting on the fluffy clouds, then by whistling. Sokka notes that he knows the guy who designed the war balloons and Zuko kind of feigns an impressive response. And then comments that if there's one thing his father is good at, it's war. Sokka makes an offhand comment about this attribute running in the family. But Zuko quickly corrects the Water Tribe warrior and says that not everyone in his family is, quote unquote, like that. Zuko is, of course, referring to his uncle and not himself. Zuko continues to say how he disappointed his uncle by siding with Azula over the Avatar. 
Sokka tries to console Zuko by saying that Iroh would be proud of him now since he gave up everything to help out the gang. And that must have been difficult. Zuko admits that it wasn't all that difficult, but he did leave Mei behind. Since he is now wanted by his own country, he didn't want to put her in any more danger than she needed to be by dragging her into it all. So he broke it off. Sokka empathizes. After all, his first girlfriend did turn into the moon. That's rough, buddy. (laughs) Hands down, one of the best scenes in the show and also one of the best gifts. Yes. It's interesting how much Zuko gets quoted throughout the series. And it's Mm -hmm. these little like things that he says once and then it just lives in your brain rent free for all of eternity. So good. Yep. Yep. And as someone has said, who wrote into us, it becomes an inside joke at times Yeah, where once you're in the know, you quote Avatar and lines like, that's rough, buddy. (laughs) I love the pause before he says that's rough, buddy, because imagine you're Zuko. You don't really know everything that Team Avatar has been through. You have like a Mm -hmm. good idea because you've been there a little bit, but you don't really know the big struggles, the more personal struggles. So Sokka's just like, yeah, my girlfriend's the moon. And he's just like, my brain would have been like, what? And then think (laughs) about it and go, I guess that makes sense. That's rough. It's just such a a mythical thing to happen. Such a like mysterious, huge universal event that happens to this one member of Team Avatar. Yeah. But at the same time, he was there in the Northern Water Tribe. That's true. When it happened. So he probably put two and two together, having seen maybe what happened to UA. Yeah. And then maybe even if he saw what happened to UA, he probably didn't have an understanding or heard. He probably didn't have an understanding of how that impacts someone. Right. So Mm -hmm. he didn't know that UA and Sokka were flirting, boyfriend and girlfriend, whatever. And now like all of a sudden... Oh, geez, this thing that I was indirectly responsible for affected this guy, like really on a personal level. Yeah, it's fun to watch the two worlds collide. Yeah. With Zuko joining Team Avatar, because you're right, it's almost like on the same level as when Toph joined them, because Toph hadn't been there for most of their journey through book one and half of book two. So some things like, for instance, with Zuko, they'll explain and she's like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll take your, your word for it. Yeah. So it's like the same thing now with Zuko where he knows a lot about their journey and their experience, but the details, the personal accounts, like you were saying, it's all new to him. Yeah. Well, day turns to night and while Sokka is snoring, typical Sokka, by the way, Zuko spots the prison and wakes up the water tribe warrior. Zuko notes that the steam should keep them hidden as long as they're both quiet. However, as the war balloon approaches the prison, it begins to lose altitude. Sokka realizes that the air outside of the balloon is just as hot as the air inside the balloon. And the only option they have now is to crash land. Now, if anyone remembers the Northern Air Temple episode, you'll remember that the only way this balloon stays afloat is because the air inside the balloon is hotter than the air outside of it. Science. Science. So they crash land. Sokka and Zuko are rejected from the balloon, which is now in total disrepair. Zuko wonders how they will get out of the volcano without the ship, but Sokka admits that he suspected this might be a one-way ticket and isn't really worried about it. And when the time comes, they will figure out an exit plan. Zuko is shocked that Sokka knew there might not be an exit, but still wanted to come to Boiling Rock. My dad might be here. I had to come and see, Sokka tells the prince. Want to know some Boiling Rock trivia? Yeah, I do. Well, good, because I'm going to tell it to you. I would be really disappointed if you're like, no, I'm okay. (laughs) No, actually, I changed my mind. I don't want to hear trivia. Well, too bad, because the design of Boiling Rock is a reference to Alcatraz Prison, which is a real world island prison in California. I thought so. It was also nicknamed The Rock. And there's a wonderful Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery action movie that takes place there. Also called The Rock. I was trying to find some The Rock jokes for the movie, but I couldn't find any. So sorry, everyone. I'll let you down. But as with Boiling Rock, Alcatraz boasted a history of no successful escapes, except in the movie The Rock, where Sean Connery is the only person who made it out. Yeah. The only escape is a fictional escape. Yeah. It's also kind of funny that the Boiling Rock is inescapable because of the boiling water, where Alcatraz, the water around it is very notoriously cold which is what makes it inescapable. Mm. That's kind of funny. I like that. Yeah. You know, something that that never ceases to amaze and amuse me is the fact that 
the team gets so much inspiration from our world. It's really cool to see how they interpret or translate concepts into the world of Avatar from Iceland being the inspiration for the Fire Nation to supermax prisons mm-hmm. like Alcatraz being used as inspiration for a setting or an environment for the team to go and navigate through. Like yeah. it, it's cool because it, it's almost like in subconscious ways, it tethers this fictional world to reality. So it's easier for us to follow and get invested. Yeah. Uncle always said, I never thought things through, but this, this is just crazy. Zuko quietly exclaims. Dante Bosco did this really cool delivery where you can tell he's yelling. But he's like trying to be very quiet while he's yelling. (laughs) And I really liked it. Sokka reminds Zuko that he invited himself on this mission. Sokka also admits that in the past, he always thought his plans through, but they haven't always worked. So this time, he's trying out something a bit more improvisational, let's call it. Sokka pushes the war balloon into the boiling lake, noting that it's of no use to them now, and they don't want anyone to find it. I hope you know what you're doing, Zuko says. There's no turning back now. Why is it that it feels like Sokka logic to go, well, all my plans haven't worked out until now, so I'm just going to wing it. So here's the thing with that logic. (laughs) And I think everyone knows where I'm going to be going with this. I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. Sokka's one thing is he's the idea guy and they took away the idea from him. Because it didn't work Well, he had the idea. It's just more that he... Yeah, but... He only only went so far with his plan. Yeah, so while... I go go back and forth in my brain a lot about this because I like that Sokka thinks things through and he has a plan and they almost always work. I don't like that he so eagerly abandons that because of one failed plan. However, I do understand that that one failed plan was a huge failure and it cost him almost everything. So there has to be some Mm -hmm. sort of like mental shift in his thinking. So from a story perspective, it 110% makes sense and there's no other way it should go, but it doesn't mean I have to like it. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. It's a lot like how Zuko ends up betraying team avatar at the end of book two. It makes sense. It has to happen. I understand that doesn't mean I like it. doesn't mean I have to enjoy it. But it is still like great writing and it makes sense. That's what would happen. Someone who's had plans that always work, the one time they fail and they fail epically, they're going to start to question themselves. They're going to start to question their motives and what they've done in the past and start to deviate from that in hopes of a different outcome. Granted, this different Mm -hmm. outcome is dumb because there's no way you not thinking through a plan is going to make things better. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's just that's just my <laughs> soapbox. Let me step off of it and continue with the... Uh, well, well, the key here is actually Sokka not thinking through his plan allowed Zuko to come with him, which is going to turn out to be the best part of his plan. I think Zuko is going to show up either way. I mean, we could play the what if game all we want, but I think that Zuko was always going to be suspicious of Sokka asking those questions and always going to be waiting for him at night, whether the plane was thought through all the way or not. I mean, fair. Yeah. That's Zuko did kind of Zuko. just invite himself along. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely trip. did. He really did. By the next morning, Sokka and Zuko have managed to infiltrate the prison and come out of a supply room wearing prison guard uniforms. While Zuko hopes the disguises work, Sokka reiterates the plan. Lay low and find Hakoda as quickly as possible. As soon as he finishes his sentence, I'm calling it a gaggle of guards. I just think it sounds funnier. I know Guards come in groups, not gaggles, but this is fun to say the word gaggle. Anyways, a group of guards rush down the intersecting hallway. Guards, there's a scuffle in the yard. Come on. Uh, One of the guards shouts at our disguised heroes. Zuko and Sokka rush to the yard and find a guard provoking an inmate who is trying to go about his day. The inmate, Chit Sang, tries to return to his cell, but a guard lashes at him with a fire whip. Zuko instinctively steps up but is stopped by Sokka, who reminds the prince that they cannot blow their cover. The scuffle is escalating even further by the guard, who answers every question that Chitsang has with a taunting remark. The guard even forces the disguised Sokka and Zuko into the demeaning altercation. Finally, Chitsang loses his cool when the guard tries to force him to bow down. The guard bends another fire whip at Chitsang, but this time, the prisoner bends it back at the guard, who is able to quickly dissipate the counter. The bully guard shakes his head and condescendingly reminds Chit Sang that firebending is prohibited. And for this indiscretion, 
he will be going to the cooler. Dun, dun, dun. Bum, bum, bum. The guard demands that Sokka help him take the prisoner into the cooler. Meet me back here in an hour, Sokka whispers to Zuko as he brings Chitsang to the cooler with the bully guard. The cooler, by the way, is the name of the isolation cells used in the prisoner of war camp in the film The Great Escape. Oh, I never saw mm-hmm. that. Me neither. But my research has brought me to this, this fun fact, <laughs> which is just a nice little cool, eh, pun intended, way to bring in fun little references or little tidbits of like real world knowledge and winks and, and all that into Avatar, which is nice. Yeah, which we've already kind of established with Alcatraz being the inspiration for the prison. Yeah. I also found that in the fictional world of Avatar, the prison, Boiling Rock was created kind of late in the Hundred Year War by Fire Lord Ozai, who spared no expense in the construction of the prison. Mm. Uh, There were hundreds of prisoners there, of whom more than half were firebenders. So the fact that Chitsang is a firebender here supports that. And that little tidbit comes from some of the lost lore from the original website for Avatar. Yeah. Uh, Also, here's a voice acting note. The bully guard is voiced by Roger Rose, who has voiced Superman and Amazo in the Batman, the Brave and the Bold animated series. Uh, He's also lent his vocal talents to Where's Waldo, Tiny Toons, Batman, the animated series. Uh, Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego? The Tick, Quack Pack, Johnny Bravo, Zatch Bell, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, and The Superhero Squad Show. And there's a whole bunch more, but that's just like some of the highlights for him. Oh my gosh. Wow. Chit Sang, his voice actor, is. this is the only thing he's ever done. Oh, Which was kind of cool. Yeah. So... He did a good job. He did a very good job. I was actually really surprised that this is his only... Uh, voice acting role or his only role in general. His name was Ezekiel Rollins, by the way. I thought for sure he was Phil Lamar. It sounded kind of mm. like Earth King Kue and like that, like some of his enunciations have that like Phil Lamar kind of like, I don't know, je ne sais quoi about it. Want to be French about it, I <laughs> yeah. guess. But uh, it's not. It's it's Ezekiel Rollins and this was it, which is really a shame because I really liked Chit Sang and the performance on it. Yeah. And a final thing about the character, now that we've met Chit Sang, I learned that the character was named after the father of Mei Chan, who we've established oh. is the writer of this episode. So a nice little nod from the staff. It is. I'm going to say this now before I forget, because I'll probably forget later on. I really liked Chit Sang the way I really liked Zhao. Like he's just... Oh, yeah, I could see that. He's not a very nice person, but like he's just kind of funny and entertaining to me and I enjoyed him. <laughs> Yeah, it's just that quality that's entertaining. That he you thinks like. he's smarter than he actually is. Like that kind, yeah. of, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we rejoin Zuko as he is being teased for wearing his helmet in the guard's lounge. Because we all know if he takes it off, everyone in the Fire Nation is going to know who he is. Mm-hmm. One of the guards assures him that it's okay to take off his helmet and to relax a little bit. Zuko comes up with an excuse as to why he's wearing his helmet. It was something along the lines of like, well, if someone tries to attack me, I will be caught off guard. But no one's really buying it. Give it a week. He'll loosen up. Uh, The female guard sitting at the table chuckles. Zuko asks if it's okay to get some advice from the veteran guards, kind of buttering them up a little bit. Again, Zuko kind of reading the social scene, reading the room and trying to get the answers that he needs. Yeah, he's doing a good job, actually blending in because a new guard who is trying to do a good job would be concerned about all of these things, you know, like protocol being a certain way. It kind of gives me the vibes of like that new employee who reads the handbook front to back and is like quoting the handbook to everyone else who's like been working there for a while and are like, buddy, just calm down. Like it's not that serious. Yeah. Always asking like what the proper code is for plantains. And then they're just like, just put it as bananas. That's fine. No one's going to know. Right. The other kind of reading I got off of this situation is that Zuko, by buttering up these guards, is kind of also making it less likely that they'll suspect him as being mm-hmm. not one of them or a traitor or whatever. Because, you know, once you start to like someone, you kind of get that little bit of a denial where it's like, no, they're not like that. They can't. He couldn't possibly. So yeah, he's kind of trying to work that guy. in. Yeah. So Zuko asks, like, hey, can I ask you guys some advice from the veteran officers here, the veteran guards? And the female guard very quickly answers that, no, he cannot date the female guards. Mm -hmm. The male guard knows that he wouldn't want to date any of the female guards anyways. 
which prompts the female guard to throw a cup at him. I hope, I pray, if anyone is a patron, if anyone is at the $5 or more tier, and you get picked to do a secret podcast, I will allow you to choose two characters if they are the male and female guard, (laughs) because there's clearly a backstory here. Oh my God. Absolutely. And you can go over to patreon.com slash avatar the podcast if you want to support in a way that is not a five star review or, you know, just telling your friends or even just listening. But I saw this altercation and the guard in the background laughs at it too a little bit. And Mm -hmm. in my mind, there is a backstory here. There's a story there somewhere. There's something here. It's so funny. (laughs) I watched this episode like five times. And every time this happens, I'm, I'm just reading their like so intently, their body language, like everything. It's so good. I don't know what it Secret is. Secret podcast has gotten to. You're like, let's, let's I, come I up with stories it. for every background every, character. <laughs> everyone. But there's something here. If I ever get to talk to Brike, I'm asking them about these two. There has to be. They have to have something in mind. <laughs> I'll get off of that for now. Zuko states that his question is not about hitting on the female guards or dating them. His question is about war prisoners and if they are held at Boiling Rock. Meanwhile, the warden arrives at his prison. Oh boy. And the warden, of course, we met in our last episode, which covered the comic Suki alone. And yes. we know he's um he's a piece of work. Yeah, he's not a nice guy. But so here, here's I'm making a voice acting leap here for this one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. We have two characters with very distinct voices, the male and female guards. They are not credited in the wiki or on the episode. Hmm. However, I looked at the additional voices and I listened to them. I found like random clips on YouTube from interviews and such. And I am confident to state that the male guard is voiced by Zach Throne, who was actually in the show California Dreams with Jenny Kwan, who we know is the voice of Suki. Oh. He wasn't like an actor in it. He was a voice. He was the singing voice for one of the characters named Mark Winkle. He was also in Beverly Hills 90210 as a character named Howard. He's been in SpongeBob SquarePants as Miscellaneous Fish and flushed away the movie as Roddy St. James. Oh my gosh, I remember that movie. Yep, I never watched it, but I I know of it. The female guard, this is a bit more of a name. The female guard is voiced by none other than Courtney Taylor, who is voiced Jack from the Mass Effect series. Oh, yeah. She was the female player voice in Fallout 4. So if you chose to be a woman, you would get Courtney Taylor. Mm -hmm. Carly from American Dad, Hex from Skylanders, Scarlet Rhodes from Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Amanda Holiday from Destiny 2, and Ada Wong Mm. from Resident Evil 6. Very cool. So both of these people were credited as additional voices, but we weren't sure who they are. So this is, uh, we we played this game with the Suki Alone episode too, assigning voices to the characters in the comic. And after hearing your your selections there, I I trust this. I trust your your matching here. it, It has to be because... There's only, it was the process of elimination. There's only one woman that speaks that we don't know of in this episode. So Courtney Taylor was like, I'm 99.9% sure that she is the female guard. But when it came to the male guard and I knew who the bully guard's voice was, I knew who Chit Sang's voice was. Uh, it was just a process of elimination. I'm more like 92% sure about that one. Okay, nice, nice. But anyways, there you go. If you disagree with me, Feel free to shoot us an email or if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt who the voices are and can confirm, I would love to know because this is kind of my thing. And this is like the most I've had to research an additional voice. But I listen to like, I want to say 20 minutes per character of interviews <laughs> and vocal <laughs> matching. Back at the coolers, Sokka watches Chitsang shiver in his isolation. He notes that it's really cold in there and the bully guard says that firebending won't work in the cooler. When the warden approaches the bully guard, he lowers his visor and begins his kind of like perfect employee routine. The warden enters the cooler and tells Chitsang that he heard he tried to escape using firebending, which honestly, he should know better. Chitsang tells the warden that he wasn't trying to escape, but the bully guard calls him a liar. The warden doesn't seem to care who is lying, and he reminds Chitsang that nobody has ever escaped from him and nobody ever will. He would rather jump into the boiling lake himself than let that streak end. Now, 
Go back to your shivering, he coldly tells the prisoner and leaves the cell. Like I said, the warden's a piece of work. Mm-hmm. The warden is voiced by Wade Williams. I know Wade Williams predominantly for being the voice of the Black Mask in the Batman Under the Red Hood animated movie, which is my favorite mm. animated movie from the DC Universe of all time. He was also the voice of the Warden at Blackgate from The Dark Knight Rises, which is really cool. Another Warden. Mm-hmm. He voiced Harvey Dent in the Dark Knight Returns animated movie. So that's like three Batman things right there. He played in real life Brad Bellick from Prison Break, which is his character was a, a man who was imprisoned for a crime he did not commit. So that's kind of a different. <laughs> I'm sensing a trend. Yep. Uh, he also played a few characters in Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Enterprise. And he has much, much more than that. It's a very long IMDb list, but those are some of the highlights. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Back at a tower overlooking the courtyard, Zuko meets up with Sokka, who is not quiet about their identities at all. He's like, hey, Zuko! And Zuko's like, (laughs) quiet, someone will hear. Zuko tells Sokka that he learned that there are no water tribe prisoners at Boiling Rock. Sokka is in disbelief and bangs his head against the wall in frustration. Zuko apologizes and tries to comfort his new friend, but it's no use. They came all this way for nothing, and Sokka failed. Again, Zuko tries to conjure up some Iroh advice and says, sometimes clouds have two sides, a dark and a light, and a silver lining in between. It's like a silver sandwich. So when life seems hard, take a bite out of a silver sandwich. (laughs) Zuko trying his hardest to embody the lessons that Iroh has taught him is the cutest thing ever. It's so funny because you can tell that Zuko doesn't understand Iroh's advice at a no. technical level. Yeah. So like what he, what his brain tries to do is, all right, find an analogy or a metaphor somewhere and just go with it and see where <laughs> right. it takes you. That's what he does. And it never takes him anywhere good. Uh, but Sokka, Sokka seems to lighten up a little bit and says, maybe we haven't failed after all. And his eyes widen as he runs over to the railing. Zuko can't believe his words of wisdom worked, to which Sokka quickly lets him know that Zuko's thoughts and words and metaphors made no sense whatsoever. Sokka does point down at a single prisoner who is sitting on a rock alone. That's right, everyone. It's Suki. (gasps) It's Suki! It's Suki! The prisoners are ordered to go back to their cells, and Sokka rushes off with hearts in his eyes. So cute. I love it. And this is where I'm happy that we covered the Suki Alone comic first before we got to Boiling Rock because we got to see what she's been up to before Zuko and Sokka arrive. And we even see Zuko and Sokka arriving at the end of the comic. So it's not that hard to imagine that Suki's just been kind of biding her time, just waiting for the next thing after getting that... I'm not going to spoil it in case you haven't listened to the episode. Once she gets that reminder that she's not alone. Yes. If you haven't listened to the episode, go back now. Your podcast app will save your spot here and then we'll welcome you back. (laughs) Hey, welcome back. You listened to the episode. Good for you. Okay. I also really enjoy that reading that comic because we see why Suki is so distraught in the courtyard alone. Exactly. Yeah. So that was really cool to kind of like, you could really headcanon that and be like, well, you know, she's... In a supermax prison, of course, she's going to be miserable, but it's good to see like the details and how much she was broken by the warden. Mm -hmm. So anyways, Sokka finds Suki's cell and walks in. Suki is immediately on the offense and demands to know if she did something wrong in a mocking tone. Sokka, thinking he's being hilarious, crosses his arms and says, what's the matter? Don't you recognize me? Suki coldly replies that all the guards look the same to her. Oh, Sokka smugly replies then maybe you'll recognize this. Sokka purses his lips and goes in for a kiss, but is quickly thrown against the cell door. And of course, he thinks he's being so smooth here because he's basically reenacting the last time they met in Full Moon Bay. Yes. So Sokka thinks he's being clever, hilarious, and awesome, and romantic maybe even, by Mm -hmm. saying like, hey, I remembered this last time that I saw you and I didn't recognize you. So here, this, yep. is, this is a big hint. But Suki <laughs> like is reading flirt. it. Yeah. And Suki's like, uh, no. Throws him against the wall. Helmet <laughs> pops off. And she's like, oh my God, Sokka. Yep. <laughs> so, so she runs over to Sokka 
and just falls into his arms, like gives him a big old hug. They hold each other and tears of joy fall from her face. Suki tells Sokka that the other warriors are not here. She is only here because she is the leader. Now, real quick, Mm -hmm. after watching this episode so many times and really analyzing it, now I can see where the writer from Suki alone got the idea that she is the leader of all of the Kyoshi warriors. I feel like maybe only these two episodes were watched and heavily researched and nothing really prior to that. Yep, I can see that. Yeah. But we all we kind of discussed on the last episode that she was the leader of her sect or her like little group on the island, but not of ultimately all the Kyoshi warriors. Mm-hmm. Saka tells his girlfriend that they're getting out of here. Suki admits that she's so glad to see him and that she knew that he would come for her and they kiss. I don't like that she says this line. I don't like that she's like, I knew you'd come for me. Yeah, it wasn't the initial plan, but we're glad that we found you. It's like, awkward. Uh, I was was here for my dad. Yeah. You're like second place prize, which is kind of (laughs) weird. Your consolation prize. prize. Yeah. Yeah. The sock is like, of course I came for For you, you, dearest love of my life. Risk it (laughs) all. By the way, have you seen my dad? Just completely. (laughs) Yeah. Just, Just not, not the point. Yeah, but I also don't like that she... We know that she wasn't waiting for someone to rescue her from Suki alone, which is like another little like thing they missed from Suki alone, I think. But I just don't like that she has this like damsel in distress kind of like line of dialogue. That's how I read that as. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think after reading Suki alone, I think it's more of a relief that, oh God, I wasn't forgotten. I knew someone would come for me. I'm not alone anymore. Although maybe she did know that someone was coming for her because... The end and who shows up in her cell. I'm trying very hard. You all re- listen to that episode because Kiyoshi shows up in her cell and it's just like soon. Yeah, I'm you're Uncle not ben. alone. Yeah, I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, so actually on the topic of yeah. Star Wars, yeah, yeah. I do want to make a note that this scene where Sokka enters yes! her cell, yep, is very similar to the scene in A New Hope. When Luke walks in and Princess Leia is lying on her cot and she makes that crack of like, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Yeah. Suki makes the crack. You all look the same to me. Yeah. And so very reminiscent. And actually the team did make a mention that they did take inspiration from Han and Luke disguising themselves as stormtroopers. So I like to think that that just naturally evolved into, well, let's just take that that quick little scene from the cell from yeah. Star Wars and link it to... Suki's and Sokka's background in uh, Full Moon Bay. See, I did kind of like get those vibes off it, but I was like, no, Dave Filoni's not on this project anymore. There's no, they're probably. Oh, the legacy of Dave Filoni lives on. Continues. Well, anyways, a female guard approaches Suki's cell and Zuko knocks to alert Suki and Sokka. The guard asks Zuko to step aside as she needs to get into that cell. But Zuko refuses and states because the lights are out, the prisoner could sneak up on her and get the jump. Zuko pins the guard against the door and manages to distract her long enough for Sokka to leave the cell. A female guard notices him a few feet away and calls out for help and that Zuko is an imposter. He needs to be arrested. Sokka has no choice but to arrest his friend, but whispers in his ear that they'll figure something out. Zuko's smooth streak. Yeah. Has ended. He was yeah. doing a good job he was. playing the new guard, you know, learning yeah. the ropes, taking his job very seriously. But I feel like this was just one of those high stakes moments where he couldn't think of a good excuse, a good cover. I also kind of feel this is, I'm going to feel very gross after saying this. And I understand this, but I feel like the way Boiling Rock is, if a guard walked in on another guard, smooching a female prisoner, feel like they wouldn't care. They don't treat their prisoners all that well. Mm, That is kind of gross thing to think about, but it is one of those prisons that's off the beaten path, kind of out of sight, out of mind. Who knows? We saw like physical abuse happen at the beginning of the episode Mm -hmm. between the bully guard and Chit Sang. And also lying and setting up the inmate by telling a story that didn't happen. Oh yeah, Yeah. he was using firebending to try to escape. So I think it it might be a bit of a stretch to say that all the guards don't have any morals, but like I feel like they probably hire very immoral people for this place just because they're the only ones who will actually volunteer or be willing to to like, I don't know, be guards here anyways. Seeing who the warden is 
Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So like my first thought was this is kind of an unnecessary risk that Zuko took was pinning the guard against the door. Mm-hmm. But anyways, anyways, I don't want to think about that anymore. We're done, done thinking about that scene for the rest of my life until I watch it again and then it pops in my brain. A little while later, Zuko is visited by the warden in his own cell. Zuko is surprised to find out that not only does the warden know who he is, but that he is also May's uncle. The warden tells Zuko that he is his special prisoner now, and he'd best behave. After all, they wouldn't want the criminals to find out his identity. The warden tells Zuko that while he does intend to collect the reward for Zuko's capture, he is not eager to let this opportunity go so quickly. The warden leaves the cell and the door closes behind him. That's very unnerving. Yikes. Yep. (laughs) And the reveal here that the warden is May's uncle. Uh Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how little surnames we get in Avatar The Last Airbender until this Mm -hmm. scene where I'm like, what's anyone's last name at this point? (laughs) Besides Toph. Don't know. Besides Toph. Yeah. That's all we get. That is a fun piece of trivia that I feel like we've covered before. The fact that there are maybe two or three characters yeah. in the whole world of Avatar that have last names. Yeah, it's just it never really like dawns on me until I'm like, oh yeah, Mr. Sokka Water Tribe. Wait a minute. That's not. <laughs> yeah. Later on that day, Suki and Zuko are mopping in the same area. Oh, good. You guys have met, Sokka says as he walks up to the two. Suki reminds Sokka that she's already met Zuko when he was burning down her village. Zuko stops mopping for a second and apologizes for his actions that day, and adds one of those friendly, it's nice to see you again, after the apology. Mm-hmm. Like, why Why did you, I don't know, so awkward sometimes. Oh yeah, sorry about that. But it's nice seeing you again. Okay. okay it's good, good to see you. Good, uh, good how, how, how's the weather today? Yeah. How about Earth Rumble 7? Any predictions yeah. for that? <laughs> yep. The three enemies of the Fire Nation slip, slip away. You get it? Because they're mopping and slip. this floor might be slippery. You're all smart. You get it and go over their plan to escape. Sokka tells them that the cooler is their best way of escape. Since it's completely insulated, it's the perfect boat for getting through the boiling water. Zuko is a bit unsure of the idea, but Sokka is convinced it'll work. Sokka continues to tell the group that he found a blind spot between two guard towers, which also has a current that will take them straight across the boiling lake. As long as they remain quiet, no one will notice. I feel like that sentence is famous last words in this episode. Oh, totally. Absolutely. But the plan. Yeah. Cool fun fact. We've already established that. Cool fun fact. Ah, cool fun fact. (laughs) We've already established that Boiling Rock was based on Alcatraz prison and the Mm -hmm. fact that there were never any escapes, successful Mm. escapes. Mm -hmm. Well, it so happens that there was an attempted escape by three inmates who used a raft that would drift with the current. And this, of course, resembles Sokka's plan to take one of the coolers and drift with the current to get out of the lake. Mm -hmm. Again, just a really cool head nod. It makes sense because it was actually attempted. Yeah, absolutely. Well, unfortunately for the gang, Chit Sang has overheard the whole plan and he plans on blackmailing his way into the plan. I love that sentence. That's not an awkwardly worded sentence at all. It's purposely made. (laughs) Sokka tries to cover up the plan by saying that the only thing they are hatching is an egg. Wow. Smooth. (laughs) So stupid. I love it. This obviously does not work. And the group is forced to include the abused prisoner. The first step of the plan is to get Zuko inside of a cooler so he can unbolt it from the inside. Chit Sang smirks. This is something he can definitely help out with. Zuko and Chitsang stage a fight complete with the worst trash talking I have heard in a fight. I think ever. <laughs> Is it really worse than the time Katara and Sokka pretended to fight to get her arrested for earthbending? It's like that same vein. <laughs> I had like shades of, of that come through. I loved it so much. I do appreciate the little grammatical joke in there, though, where Chitsang corrects him and says, it's whom you're shoving. Yeah. <laughs> That's the trash talk. <laughs> Correct this vocabulary. Great. Good job. So they've staged the fight. Sokka ends up calling for backup. And when the backup arrives, Zuko firebends at Chitsang, super visible so everyone could see it, mm-hmm. which lands him immediately into the cooler. Later that day, Sokka opens the door to the cooler and tells Zuko that he can take him to a cell if he's learned his lesson. 
Zuko inhales deeply and exhales fire. He smiles and says that he's learned his lesson completely and reveals all of the bolts in his lap. Mm. Which is kind of impressive because earlier we saw that Chit Sang was just shivering in the cell. It didn't yeah. seem like he was able to firebend. I think that's the whole point too. It is. The cooler yeah. is so cold that you can't firebend and yet Zuko can. I would say you can't firebend unless you understand the true nature of firebending. Exactly. Yeah. I love that little. It's like this slight little callback to the firebending masters. And mm-hmm. it also just visually looks really cool because he has that like, you see like a little bit of like the vapor from how cold it has come out and then fire just like engulfs it. It's so cool. And who doesn't like Zuko being a badass? Let's be honest. Yeah. So, yeah. so awesome. Sokka tells Zuko that Suki and Chitsang are waiting for them at the blind spot. But when two guards walk by, the friends learn that more prisoners are set to arrive at dawn. And the incoming group includes robbers, traders, war prisoners, and maybe even a pirate. War prisoners means that Hakoda could be coming to Boiling Rock and Sokka is torn. He's not sure if it's right for him to risk Suki and everyone else's freedom by delaying the plan for a day on the off chance that his father could show up. Zuko leaves the decision up to Sokka. So the blind spot, this whole big plan about the blind spot Mm -hmm. is also kind of resembling Hilt's escape strategy from The Great Escape, which was Steve McQueen's character, according to my research. So their escape strategy was cutting through a barbed wire fence and a blind spot between two guard towers. Well, little again, little like it shows they're doing their research. Could also be inspiration for the blind spot in Suki alone, too. That's true. Well, I mean, I think that blind spot came from this blind spot episode or this reference. So exactly. Yeah. 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 Also, they mentioned that there's a pirate who's coming to Boiling Rock. Yeah. And I was so bummed that they didn't include any of the pirates that we know and love from Pirate Barker O and and the pirate captain's like crew there. Yeah, no one we could recognize, which I was really hoping. There's a couple prisoners who have like buns and mustaches and they're a little similar to the pirates, but like it's not that not matches. Yeah, Yeah, it's not that such a bummer. The two join up with Suki Chitsang, Chitsang's BFF and girlfriend, question mark. Chitsang tells Sokka that his girlfriend and his best friend are coming too, and Sokka doesn't really fight him on it. Zuko asks if Sokka really wants to give up the chance to redeem himself and his honor. Suki overhears this and listens as Sokka tells them that if he just cut his losses at the invasion, maybe everyone wouldn't be in this mess. Sometimes it's better to call it quits before you fail. Zuko eventually gets some wisdom out, even though it's a bit misworded, let's say. He says, you're going to fail a lot before things work out. And even though you'll probably fail over and over again, you have to try every time. You can't quit because you're afraid you might fail. Hey, if you two are done cuddling, can we get a move on? He doesn't really sound like that, but in my brain he does. <laughs> Chit Sang says to the three friends, Sokka decides to stay behind and Suki and Zuko decide to do the same. Chit Sang, on the other hand, has no problems with leaving the three behind and set sail, so to speak, into the boiling lake with his lady and his broski, mm-hmm. his bro Sidon, Abraham Lincoln. I'm done. Sokka <laughs> hopes that he made the right decision and that he hasn't cost them their freedom. Of course, Sokka's plan didn't really account for a couple different things, which would be the actual heat of the lake and the slow current. Ooh, yeah. That cooler's yeah. not going to stay cool for mm-hmm. long enough. Uh, and this is something Chitsang and his company are now realizing because they are melting. Chitsang rips off a piece of the cooler to use as a makeshift ore. Unfortunately, the boiling water splashes back at the prisoner, causing him to scream in pain. The guards hear this and immediately catch the escape attempt, which also causes the prisoner to go into complete lockdown. Sokka, Suki, and Zuko sneak off to the boarding platform, where they eagerly await the prisoners to get off the gondola. The first man to get out of the gondola is a large man with tattoos and a nose ring. I think he might be the pirate, maybe, but he's not a pirate that we recognize. Yeah, I think he's the pirate, but no one that we've met before. He definitely has the pirate look to him. Yeah, for sure. Zuko asks if that's Sokka's father, and Sokka's like, my dad doesn't have a nose ring. I just love that delivery. He's so perfectly. <laughs> no, he's so offended that Akoda might have a nose ring for some reason. A few more prisoners get off and none of them are Sokka's father. Just as all hope is lost, 
a guard yells for the final prisoner to get off of the gondola. And of course, that final prisoner is none other than Hakoda J. Hakoda! Southern Water Tribe Smith <laughs> the Fourth. Oh my God. <laughs> Yay! The end. So, what an episode. What a, what a ride we've been on. What a setup. Yeah. We've had love. We've had action. We've had friendship. We've had bad words of advice. We've had it all. <laughs> but what we need to have, Acorn, is your MVP for the episode. Oh my gosh. I'm so tempted to give it to Chitsang. Yeah. Even though... <laughs> yeah. I love him so much. He's such <laughs> a meathead, like, but I love like him. It's like an honorary MVP, you know, because he did kind of help the team get to where they are. And he did also create a diversion, I guess yeah, you could say. That's true. That's true. And he was the one who actually went through with the bad plan and realized that it was bad. So, you know, mm -hmm. if they had gone with him, they would have all been captured. Yeah, for sure. What about you? Um, I wanted to give it to Chitsang as well because I love him so much. <laughs> There's no real reason other than he's just such a great character. And some people might be like, well, he's kind of like a scumbag. He stole like their escape attempt. He forced like a couple extra people on. And I don't think that's very scummy of him. I actually think that adds to the positive traits of his personality where he is not willing to leave behind his loved ones. So he's going to do what he can to make sure that they're coming with him. Yeah. We're just seeing it from a different perspective is all. Exactly. When you're in a scenario like that, you would kind of do anything it took to get out <laughs> and to bring yeah. the people that you care about with you. Yeah. So he doesn't know these two really. Like he never really makes mention that he knows that Zuko is Zuko, which is right. very interesting. So he's just like, whatever, these, these clowns have an escape attempt that seems halfway decent. I'm going to take it. It's the only hope that I have right mm -hmm. now. Yep. So I think it's Chitsang as well. So he's just so great. And in the next episode, I'm very excited about his contributions as well. <laughs> yep. Uh, what's your moral of the episode? So there are a couple good ones. Okay. Mostly through Zuko's attempts to mm -hmm. impart Iroh wisdom. <laughs> yep. I think the one that the episode makes the most obvious, though, is the fact that plans aren't always going to work out. Like yeah. Sokka is so hung up about the fact that the invasion plan failed and he thinks that that makes him a failure, but actually you learn through making mistakes. So I would say yeah. growth is an experience and in making mistakes. Yeah. I like that one. That's a good one. Uh, I'm going to say the moral of the episode for me is you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, which is Wayne Gretzky, uh, Michael too. Scott, and then mm -hmm. Mr. Greg. You just add that right onto there. <laughs> Mainly going off of the whole thing where he's like, you can't just stop because you think you're going to fail. Yeah. You have to keep on persevering. So I thought that was a really cool moral. And I remembered to write it down this time. Good job. Yeah. Well, that's all the time that we have for this episode. Thank you, everyone, so much for continuing to join us on our adventures through the final chapters of oh. Avatar, The Last Airbender, at least in terms of the animated series. Uh, we're getting ever so close to that finale. And I'm just too... Uh, yeah. Like, I just... Can't believe it that we've gotten this far in such a short amount of time. It is absolutely wild. If you are listening to this episode and listening to the show for the first time, or if you've just forgotten, you can always find us on Twitter over at Podcast Avatar. If you want to say hi or you want to, I don't know, just like you found something cool on the internet, you want to send it to us directly, you can do it through there. You can do it through our email address, which is avatarthepodcast.gmail.com. If you've written your five-star written review, if you've emailed us and you've tweeted at us and you're looking for an additional way to support, you can always go to patreon.com slash avatar the podcast and, you know, support through there. Everything yeah. of the 100 year war tier or higher gets some bonus content, which I think is really great. My opinion might be a little biased, but I have fun with secret <laughs> podcasts. too. I think they're so fun. I think that's so great. And you kind of get like a little inside look of our psyche, I guess, with the doodle page, which is always fun. Mm -hmm. You can try to guess which episodes we're going to be covering next or I've just finished recording or about to record based off of that. Or are thinking about. Yeah. Or thinking and about, also, yeah. if you don't care about the rewards, you can always spare some coins for yeah. weary travelers. We have yeah. a, a patron level for that. But yep. really, any support that you give us is most appreciated. And yeah, when it comes it really to Patreon... Is. Ultimately, everything that our patrons pledge helps us to cover costs for editing for the podcast, yep. which is hugely appreciated. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> because Greg and I do this podcast as a hobby and any costs come out of our own pocket. So 
having your support means so much to us. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to speak for a moment very quickly to everyone who's been listening since day one. And remember how like we would release it at like random hours and even up to like 1159 PM. That was because Mm -hmm. Acorn and I were editing the episodes ourselves. And every minute (laughs) counted for that. But now that we're able to afford our wonderful editor, Rob, it's been a lot more consistent and a lot better. And any delays is because we haven't written the the blurb yet. So read the blurbs if you haven't. We put a lot of of work into that too. Yeah. The description for each episode. Yeah. So uh, thank you. Thank you, everyone who supports regardless. We super appreciate it. And we love it and all the emails and everything. It just makes our our day and makes us really want to continue doing this and makes us sad when we reach big milestones like the end, which we're so close to. I know the end of book three. Yeah. Can't believe it. Yeah. Well, if you can't believe that, you also might not believe that I stream at twitch.tv slash booster Greg (laughs) on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Recently, we went through the PlayStation game Dreams and played four seasons on stream which is the Avatar The Last Airbender Whoa. built. It was a built a uh, dream. Which is phenomenal. Let me tell you. If you missed that, I did save it as a highlight on my Twitch page. I am going to export it to my YouTube at some point. I'll probably put it on the Avatar one as well. It was yes. so cool. Like I was blown away. I did not expect the details in there. Let me put it to you this way, everyone. This is the one thing I'll tell you. And then you have to promise that you're going to go give my channel a follow so you get to catch Avatar and you'll watch the rest of this VOD because I guarantee you, you'll want to watch every minute of it once I say this. You get to go to the Southern Air Temple and they have the air ball court and they have Mm -hmm. a little tent that's off in the background. You won't believe what's in that tent. And I won't tell you what it is because you have to go watch the video now. That was our deal. Okay. But yeah, you go there. You can find me, find me on Twitch, find me on Twitter, find me wherever on the internet as Booster Greg. Find me on my TikTok. Some people have, have done that. I made a single avatar, the last airbender TikTok. Didn't do quite as well as I wanted it to, but I still am very proud of it. It's very funny. So go find that. All right. That's all I got. And you can find me online at Acorn Bandit or at joysons.com, which is J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com where I create enamel pins. Yes, the book three pin is coming. We are in talks. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. There will be a third installment in our official Avatar the podcast, Enamel Pins. But yeah, that is where you can find me. You can also find pin-related things on Etsy if you search for Joey Sans Studio. Otherwise, I am Acorn Bandit. Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We super appreciate it. We'll see you next week. And speaking of next week, coming up next time. Escape Plan version 1.2. And the most effective way to start a prison riot. All this and more next time on Avatar Avatar, the the Podcast. Podcast. Avatar the Podcast is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. 